0: Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's stand together. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the
1: Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you,
0: Lord. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This thing seems loud. Is it loud? Okay. I won't be here long. It's good to be in God's house today with all of you. We look forward to another wonderful service. We got a Valentine baby in the house. Grace, <laughs> Come on, brother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Happy birthday. birthday.
0: This time we'll dismiss for Sunday school. All right.
1: Two or three.
0: That's all we need. Y'all doing all right out there? Yes, sir. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord again. And I'm going to preach to the blue chairs today. So, <laughs> oh, anyways, it's a. It's good to see all of you, and I believe God's going to do something special today, like He does always does. I want to, uh, I want to start today with this, um, this message that I, I'm not sure that I. Well actually I know that I will not be able to cover everything that there is about this subject but I want to just pull out what we can um with this it's it's such a it's such a deep uh subject and there's so many uh ways that we can approach it and teach on it and, Speak about it, uh, but the focus that I believe the Lord wants us to focus on today is holiness unto the Lord. Holiness unto the Lord. I know that we have heard holiness teaching and preaching. Most of our life, and if you've been around the Apostolic Church most of your life, you, you have heard it a lot. And so I, I want to just kind of dive into this and see if there are things that we have maybe missed or misunderstood about holiness and the, the purpose for it. Because um, when we think of holiness, we, we usually think of standards or guidelines, you know, and I've heard people, I've had conversations with people, uh, we're holiness. We're holiness, whatever, whatever that means. You know, is that just a way of saying we do certain things a certain way and that's what makes us holiness? And I never really uh, dug into those questions uh, that I've, you know, that come to me about what holiness is. What does it mean? Um, is it a is it don't do this, don't do that stay, stay away from here and there and well, you know, just stay away from everywhere. But why? why, why are there these rules that say to stay away from? Why are there these um, these teachings that say, stay away, don't do that. And most of the responses that people have is because that's what I was told to do. That's what I was told to do, and that's why I stay away. And, and there is there is some principle for that. There is some principle for, for staying away from, from certain places and certain things. But I, I don't know that we always look at that um, the way that we should look at it. And we're going to hopefully gain some understanding on this. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17 is a passage that, that we have heard uh, most of our entire life. And, you know, if I had to ask you how many times have you heard people speak about this, quote it, you know, you would say, ah, man, I've heard this a long time. I've been hearing this. Wherefore, come out from among them and... Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Raise your hand if you've heard this preached a lot. I'll raise both hands. But why is our immediate response to holiness a list of rules or some dress code? I'm holiness because... A, B, and C. I'm doing A, B, and C, and I look like this. You don't look like this if you're not holiness, you know. But it's always our appearance. Uh, our and are we called to just separate from the world and do our own thing as long as we're following a list? And I can be, I can be holiness uh, because I'm I'm doing these things, and that means I, I can I can kind of slack off a little bit. I can joke about being. You know this thing or that thing. I can I can joke about struggling with this sin and that sin, but as long as I'm following A, B, and C, I'm good because we're still holiness, right? I've got the checklist out and I've I've gone through and I have separated myself to God, and I'm no longer around unclean things. I remember hearing. You know, a preacher say this one time, and maybe you have heard it yourself, is I won't let sin sit on my pews. You know, talking about we, we, we run a tight ship around here. I won't sit in here. Well, I don't know how a person can keep that from happening. Um, and, you know, so many people walk around on eggshells because they're just like... I gotta follow all these guidelines and all these rules. And this is this is what holiness looks like to people. As long as I can, as long as I can follow what the pastor says, I'm gonna be okay. Me and God are gonna be good. Right? Now, there there are some principles to understand that God places spiritual leadership in our life to help us. That there would be accountability in our lives, right? But But sometimes those things are abused, and man will say things that he can't back up in Scripture. And uh, hopefully, hopefully after today, we'll have a better understanding of what it means to be holy. Holiness unto the Lord. You know, and maybe the perspective is, and I jokingly say this, so... uh, don't, don't, don't be heard if this is you today. I bought this new outfit to prove how clean I am. How holy I am. Are, are we to look real nice in our church garments? Call it modesty and separation from the world while believing everything we are doing is holiness to the Lord. Something I think we ought to think about and dig in to find out our, our motives for why we do what we do. Why we're separate, why we're modest, and why we live the way that we live. Is it as long as I follow protocol, I'm holy? As long as I'm faithful to what I have been taught, I'm good. But what if you were never taught the purpose of being holy? What if you were taught obeying some rules will make you holy? Are we to be holy just to say that we are holy? The Lord is holy. And he is the definition of holy. There are too many scriptures to cover them all, but Psalm 20 and 6 and Psalm 22 and 3 declare this about the Lord. Declare that he is holy. Now, know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand and 22 and 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. So both of these passages declare that he is holy and he, he, uh, he dwells in a sacred place that is holy. Adam and Eve were perfect before the fall. They were made to be, they were created to be in his presence because they were made perfect they were without spot without blemish but when the when they disobeyed the lord the relationship changed and they could no longer dwell with him in a holy habitation they had to be separated from the lord because they were no longer holy Adam and Eve left a holy place to live in a lonely place. A broken place. They went from walking with the Lord to walking with this chasm between them and the Lord. We could name this chasm unholiness. Everything in this new unholy world was a new experience for this first family. They They were the first family to have issues. You're not. Your family wasn't the first family with issues. The very first family had all the issues. They had two sons, Cain and Abel. And Cain, the firstborn, was the first man to have a furious jealousy. And in the heat of his fury, he murdered his younger brother. How many of you have murder in the family? If you do, you weren't the first one. Why was there jealousy? The scriptures reveal to us, give us insight as to why there was jealousy. Abel's sacrifice was respected by God and Cain's was rejected. Now this opens up a whole nother conversation here. There are a lot of details missing here, so... For us to get an idea of the relationship they now have with the Lord, we have to form theories. There's nothing harmful, listen to me, there's nothing harmful with brainstorming and talking about things we don't have scripture for and forming theories as long as it doesn't become doctrine that we teach. We do not know all of the details, but apparently there was Some kind of agreement. There was some kind of covenant between Adam and the Lord that gave him access to the presence of the Lord. and We don't find scripture for it, but we do know. We do know that Cain was sentenced for his crime. He was sent out of the presence of the Lord. So they had to have had an agreement there. And when did they, because how did they know to sacrifice? They both sacrificed. They both presented an offering to the Lord. Where did they present the offering to the Lord? Was there a place dedicated? Maybe so. These are all theories that we could talk about. But the truth is they both sacrificed. One was pleasing and one wasn't pleasing. And then Cain was. He was removed from the presence of the Lord. And it seems. It seems closely related to what was later given to Moses. Some 2,500 years later. Uh, To gain access to a holy place. There must be an agreement. There must be a covenant. Because that is what covenant is. It's an agreement. When Moses murdered an Egyptian he fled to a desert place where he was stripped of his Egyptian identity by becoming what was an abomination to the Egyptians and that's a shepherd. It also seems likely that as a shepherd David had similar experiences while in the field watching his flock. In the field is where Moses met the Lord, and and it seems David met the Lord in the field as well when he spent time around the flock. Moses was told to take off his shoes because the place he stood in the presence of the Lord was holy. It was a normal normal, uh, situation, much like every other normal situation on the backside of nowhere where Moses was. It was just normal dirt and ground until the presence of the Lord showed up and then it became holy. In this holy moment, the Lord revealed to Moses that he was sending him to deliver his people. But Moses struggled with this mission because of who he was. How could you use me, Lord? I'm a murderer. I can't even communicate effectively. My speech is not adequate enough. I'm I'm not qualified to go back. Moses left Egypt as an Egyptian murderer, but went back to Egypt a shepherd and a deliverer. He was sent back to lead Israel, out of bondage and into the wilderness to sacrifice and to enter a covenant relationship with the Lord. Moses went back with purpose. And he couldn't say, it's because of my ability. It's because of who I am. He didn't go back in his authority. He went back in the authority of the I Am, you tell them the I Am sent you. I, I mentioned this this morning to the brothers that were gathering for, for uh, Bible study. Could you imagine face seeing or you know being being called to do this great this great thing, and and to face all of the rejection that Moses faced when he went and stood before Pharaoh. And he wasn't just rejected by Pharaoh, maybe even laughed and mocked at, but his own people said, Moses, you're making it harder on us. We don't know why you're here. Why are you here? Why don't you leave? But I've got, I've got a burden and I've got a task. I'm on a mission. You just have to trust me and know that the Lord has sent me and even, even leading, finally leading them out of the wilderness or out of out of out of Egypt and through the wilderness, and standing before this great sea, and and seeing the army of Pharaoh behind them, and the people saying, "Did you lead us out here to die, Moses? Well, was there no graves in Egypt? Did you had to bring us out here?" And for Moses not to see how the Lord is going to do this, could you imagine what he was experiencing and the struggle? of going through what he has been going through up to this point to say, Lord, I know that you called me. I I know that you have sent me on this mission to bring deliverance to your people, but I don't see it. And your people are making me weary. The thought came to me when I was sharing this with, With you all, that there's no testimony without the struggle. We want the testimony, but not the struggle that says, I got through and I held on to my faith and I held on to my confidence and I held on to my trust in the Lord. Because the Lord used, the Lord used Moses to separate his people from a world. From the world and to establish a sacrificial system that could have been close to what Adam and Eve had. The Lord led his people out of Egypt through his relationship with Moses. All Moses could tell the people was. The Lord has sent me. The I am has sent me. It was through Moses' relationship with the Lord that all the power and all the glory came through his life and his ministry. Right? It was through his relationship with God. The Lord will bring deliverance to the world around you. When you realize he will do it through a relationship of consecration. After struggling through his rescue mission he would sing a song he never sang before. This should bring you hope knowing my struggle will end with a song of victory. You might be in a struggle today, but you hang on to the Lord and the song is going to change. It will no longer be a struggle. At the very end of it, you'll sing the song of the redeemed. You'll see the song of victory. Hang on. Moses and the children of Israel sang a song of victory and redemption to the Lord in Exodus chapter 15. They described they described the Lord as their strength and song and how he had become he had also become their salvation. There was this new revelation that God's people, how God's people witnessed the enemy and how the enemy could not challenge the power and the authority of the God who had called them out. And the very best that Egypt could bring to the fight would be overthrown by the wind of the breath of God that would cause the waves of the sea to consume them. They witnessed the very power of God as he, as he parted the Red Sea and led Israel to their victory over the enemy. The people understood. There's no one like you. You are holy and your habitation is set apart from humanity. Nobody can touch you because of where you are seated unless there is an agreement. There had to be an agreement before, before somebody could touch the Lord. Exodus chapter fifteen, verse eleven through thirteen. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee? Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Thou stretchest out thy right hand. The earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. Everyone say, unto thy holy habitation. The purpose for the separation was not just to separate, but to lead the people of God unto his holy habitation. Moses and all of Israel acknowledged that there was nobody like the Lord. Who is like you? Nobody. You are undefeated, undisputed. Nothing can stand against you. You have all power and authority and we have seen it on display. But sometimes witnessing the power and the authority is not enough. Right after the greatest miracle that mankind had seen up to this point, they they fell back into a place where they were like, what are we going to do now, God? We don't have any water. We're going to die. Moses, here we, we arrive at this place again. Moses, did you lead us out here to die? But, oh, when they begin to sing the song after this great miracle, they recognize something, that all the gods... All the gods of this world are powerless. And I think that's something that we ought to take notice today. Every so-called God in this world created by man's hands is powerless. Everything that man can do has no power or authority. And, And Israel knew that there was only one who had power and authority. And he was glorious in holiness. He was set apart from every so called God of this world. Now we read this that the Bible declares Satan to be the lowercase g God of this world. But he is not the Lord's equal. The devil is not the Lord's equal. He is not even a contender. Why is he not a contender? Because he's already lost. There's no chance of winning ever. His fate is sealed and the only thing he can do is try to persuade men to join him. The only thing the enemy can do to us is try to convince us, try to persuade us to join him in his fate, in his destiny. He wants you to be a slave to Egypt. He wants your God to be your own belly and he won't let go and he won't stop coming back to see if there is just the smallest chance that you are somehow not satisfied with how God has led you. Is there some dissatisfaction in your life? If there is dissatisfaction in our life, he has an opportunity to slither his way into our life and try to persuade us. We give him room when we think somehow God has forgotten us or neglected us or abandoned us. And, and, and the enemy will always present something better than our situation. Egypt will always call for your return, and it will always remind you of the good things, the food that satisfied the natural man. Oh, but also trying to overshadow the spiritual bondage that comes with it. Maybe there's a chance they forgot the part where they cried out because of the bondage. Maybe if they can just Visualize the leeks and the onions and all the vegetables and the meat that they had access to, the things that filled the natural man. They'll forget about the spiritual bondage, and maybe that's what the enemy tries to—he tries to advance his agenda in our life through our stomach, through our natural desires. That he—that we would become—that we would become people who would worship our belly. we would want the natural things more than the spiritual things, that we would settle with spiritual bondage as long as the natural man is satisfied. As long as the natural desires are met, I'm okay with chains of bondage. I'm okay with the enemy destroying my family as long as my natural needs are met and I don't go without. Sometimes I wonder if the Lord knows how to make a way for my natural needs. Because sometimes I feel like I'm without What happens? The same thing happens that it did in Israel. People begin to murmur. We're thirsty, Moses. How are we going to survive? Listen, did you not, did you not see the great things that God did to lead us up to this point? And somehow you think you're gonna die of thirst. Somehow you think the Lord isn't gonna provide. You watched the greatest miracle known to mankind at this point, and now you're wondering if he's gonna provide water for you. We see Israel struggling struggling through all of this when they murmured and complained to Moses because of what they didn't have that they used to have. They sang the song of the redeemed and they, they sang the song of the, and then they, this is how quickly it was. They, they sang the song of the redeemed after they watched the Lord do a great mighty work and then they sang the song of the disgruntled Let's focus on what they realized after they witnessed the power of God. They made it out and began to sing the song of the redeemed, and they declared it was the mercy and the strength of the Lord who carried them out of bondage on eagles' wings. He showed the world His power, but not just to be separated from Egypt, not just to be set apart from the bondage of the enemy, but to be led to his holy habitation where his people would be lifted up above every nation and they would see him as the only God and the only holy God. The word holy in the Hebrew is kodesh and it means a sacred place or thing. It's a sacred place that is set apart for the one who is set apart sometimes when people can't sense the presence of the Lord it's because he's set apart he's in a holy place that doesn't mean that he cannot be detected or he, or, or felt or you know or be impacted touched by we're gonna, we're going to worship the Lord today and he's going to move in this place and he's going to touch he's going to touch people and to some he's going to feel so distant from. It's amazing how some people could be weeping tears in the presence of the Lord by the touch of the Lord and then somebody in the back can be so disconnected and not know why so-and-so is weeping. I don't feel anything. It's a sacred place It's set apart. So when we see this phrase holy habitation it's a place that's set apart. Habitation is nave and it means in the Hebrew and it means to be at home a dwelling place. It's a holy dwelling place. And there's also this uh, this uh, this figurative image that we can we can put this to. It's, It's like It's like a sheep coat or a sheep enclosure. A holy habitation is a place for sheep. It's a dwelling place for a people. It's an enclosure that's set apart for a holy God and a holy people, but they would have to be consecrated. They'd have to be sanctified, and this would only come by His glory. We're not sanctified. We're not holy by our own doing. There's not a set of rules that you can live your life by and be holy. When the call comes forth for us to be holy because He is holy, it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. You need to be holy because I am holy. But the only way that you can be holy is by my glory. So you have to position your life to receive from his glory. You have to position your life to step into that enclosure that's, that's only for those who want to be there. That's, it's only that enclosure is available for whosoever will but there's a lot of things about yourself that you have to leave behind if you're going to step into that holy place because there are certain requirements you've got to have clean hands and a pure heart to get into that holy place and to stand before the Lord so you've got to get rid of that and it has to come through His glory. That's why, that's why I, I, you have heard me say, we cannot make people apostolic. You cannot dress somebody up and make them anything. I, I, I don't care how much extra clothing that you have at the house and how much you think so-and-so needs it. You can't make them holy. That's, that has to come from the work of the Spirit of God. It has to come from His glory. And if they never encounter His glory, they'll never be holy. Right. We can't sanctify ourselves by ourselves. We separate ourselves unto Him so His glory can sanctify us. Exodus chapter 29 and verse 33 and 34. And there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory and I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And listen, the word sanctify and sanctified is is called dash, and that is to be pronounced or observed as clean. And it's not just to be announced or or, uh, uh, observed as clean, That's that's part of it. And this is where the apostolic people have to get a better understanding. It's not so I can just be clean and be in His presence. It's so I can be clean and appointed. It's so I can be clean and appointed and consecrated that I can minister unto the Lord. It's not Him ministering to me. It's me ministering unto Him. It's me saying, Lord, I have set apart my life so that Your holiness would flow into my life. I recognize that i got to be holy. And so my cry to you today is, Lord, make me holy. And Aaron wasn't pronounced clean just to be clean. Nobody is pronounced clean just to be clean. We are pronounced clean and then appointed and consecrated. It was the glory of God that cleaned and consecrated and appointed Moses to serve. It was through that relationship. You cannot have a relationship with the Lord and not be consecrated and not be made clean and begin to be made holy it only comes through relationship we cannot profess him we have to walk with him we can't ignore the call we have to embrace the call i've got to be holy why because he's a holy god and if there was a separation between between the ones who received the the very first breath of life and man became a living soul and man was perfect but the one mistake they made landed them outside of paradise if one mistake will land them outside of paradise one of our mistakes will not go unjustified we'll have to come to him and say Lord I made a mess and I recognize for me to be right with you I've got to do my very best to to set my life apart to stay in the enclosure where your holy Habitation is. Yeah. Exodus chapter 19, verse 4 through 6. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagle wings and brought you unto myself. He doesn't just deliver us to, for us to be delivered. He delivers us to bring us to himself. The posture of victory is with him. Holiness is with him. We don't get like a, the stars. Remember how you used to go to Sunday school, get the stars for all the reading that you did? Little gold foiled stars that you got to put. And then if you didn't do it, you're like one of the ones that didn't get to put the star up on the chart. Well, that's not how we, we get to live for the Lord. It's like, Lord, I got a star today. I did this much and I did that much and you've you've heard me say this before and I'm not saying this to try to make anyone feel feel like that they don't know the Lord but listen a lot of what we do inside of the church we call service unto the Lord right we we say hey we're going to have service today but when we show up what do we actually do for the Lord we praise Him right we worship Him we help others, right? Or or we don't help others, or we don't praise him, or we don't worship him. We can come and sit through service and think we've done him a service somehow. But, but here's what can happen, and I think this has happened, you know, in our generation. We've seen it. I've seen it myself. We're, we're, our only focus, our only focus is what the Lord will do for us when we show up. And we call it service. Lord, how crazy is that? Lord, I'm coming to serve you, but I'm only here for what you're going to give me. Like, that's not the agreement that he established with people. He told Moses, take off your shoes. The place where you're standing is holy. Moses was afraid to look. He, but he was intrigued by what was happening. Listen, sometimes we, we'll sleep in His presence and not be in awe in His presence. Oh, because it's only about what He's going to, and I'm not excited yet. So, uh, so maybe, maybe I'm not getting what I need. Instead of me, Lord. Crying out, I want to stay in your holy habitation. I don't want to veer too far from this enclosure. I don't want to look at the gate at what's keeping me in. I want to look at the gate at what's on the other side of it and say, Lord, thank you for delivering me. And he said, I'm taking you. I'm taking you from Egypt to myself. And verse 5, Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people. Now, we look into the New Testament, and we want to read passages like a, a royal nation, a peculiar people, right? A holy priest. We want to look at that and say, Yeah, that's us because we're A, B, C, and D. We're doing all the right things. Can I be a peculiar treasure if I don't obey him? If I don't keep covenant? He said it's after you obey, it's after, it's after. After you obey my voice, after you say, I'm going to keep covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. I've got a holy people. Uh, I'm trying to take my people to a place of holiness, a holy habitation. You can't define it, you can't get there on your own terms. You've got to obey God. We've got to obey God. Then ye shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Moses Moses and Israel declared in song this, the reason for the exodus. And that was to lead his people from the house of bondage to a sheep coat set apart for himself so he could look after his sheep and the sheep would love him and look to him and he would love them and provide for them and protect them from their enemy and all his power to deliver his people to himself. I don't believe it was ever so he could continue them and for a pastor to stand behind the pulpit and try to control people, not even God Himself will do. Listen, we can't be enforcers. We can't be enforcers. We have, to, we have to push for people to be obedient to the voice of the Lord and for His commandments. But I can't control you. If I don't like how you're walking, I've got to do my best to give you the commandments of God and let Him deal with you. And if you can't do it, I can't force you to do it. If you don't want to be holy, you're not going to be holy If you don't want to stay in that enclosure, you won't stay in the enclosure. But if you want it, you'll look at the commandment of the Lord and you'll say, that's what I want. That's what my desire is. I want to be holy. The only reason... The only reason for the commandments is to show people what would separate them from his holy presence, from the, that would separate them from fellowship, from a relationship. He, he, he doesn't want to control people, he wants a relationship with people. He wants intimacy, not control. You can't control intimacy, it has to be desired. But listen, if we're not careful what we'll end up doing, what we'll end up doing, and it might even happen in a place uh, uh, like right now, like today. And what we'll do is we'll spend so much time talking about how much the Lord loves us and not enough time talking about how much we love Him. The world is upside down in the denominations in our world because the whole focus is is on how much the Lord loves Him and how much the Lord loves you and how much the Lord loves people. But listen, it's a reciprocal relationship. He wants us to want Him. He wants us to love Him. He wants us to obey Him. Why? Because He knows what's best for us. And if we'll listen to Him, listen, we'll walk in places and we'll have joy when it doesn't make sense to have joy. We'll have peace when it doesn't make sense sense to have peace the world around us may be fallen apart but in the presence of the lord there is a fullness of joy and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore it doesn't make sense but inside this enclosure is true satisfaction Lord, you love me, don't you? Yes, it's obvious. It's obvious. And we got scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave, right? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall have everlasting life, right? As long as, but it, it's gotta go beyond confession where I say the Lord loves me and so I confess that I, I believe him. It, it has to go to I love you, Jesus. I love you. And we can say that we love him. Why? Because the scripture revealed to us we love him because he first loved us. Because he revealed love to me I can love in return It's not a one sided relationship From the old covenant To the new covenant It's still an agreement Between two people Two parties It's between God and his people And we have to say Lord I love you As much as you love me I love you too Thank you for loving me Thank you for saving a wretch like me Thank you for giving me life and purpose Thank you for satisfying The longing." of my soul thank you for giving me another opportunity to stand at my feet and say I am redeemed John chapter 14 and 15 says if you love me keep my commandments we can't say that we love him without saying I'll keep your I'll obey what you said. And if that's not enough for you, verse 33 says Jesus answered and said to him, If a man loved me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode with him. What was he saying? Is you're going to get my the atonement through the son and you're going to get the glory through the father. We got to have both of them if we're going to make it in. If we're going to keep his commandment, we got to have spirit and truth. We can't just worship in spirit. We got to worship in spirit and in truth. Verse 24, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the word which he hear is not mine but the Father's which sent me. And then he goes on to say in 15, in 15, John 15 and 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. That abiding, right, is that dwelling place. It's that holy habitation. And if I'm in a holy habitation with the Lord, if I'm in that enclosure, I can ask what I want and it'll be given. Oh, because if I'm in this place with the Lord in a place of holiness, I'm not going to be looking for selfish gain or ambition. my desires are now his desires. Why? Because I know he loves me and I love him. And when you're perfected in love, there's no fear. And when God's working in you, you don't want anything else. Verse 8, herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And the verse 10, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. And then he goes on to say, you are my friends. You're my friends. In verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. I can't be a, a friend. I can't be a son. I can't love God without making sure I meet the agreements of the covenant. Because that's what the agreement is. The agreement is his commandments. And when you step into that covenant relationship, what you're saying is, I agree to the terms, Lord, that I will have no other God before me you're the only one. That I will not lust for what my neighbors have. I will not covet. I will not lie. I will not steal. I will not murder. I will not do all of these things because I want you. And I want to make sure that I stay in this place with you. You have my heart. He wants intimacy, not control. But for people who are unclean, they would need to be made clean before there could be a relationship. Well, I can just start a relationship with him and be clean. That's simple enough, right? As simple as it sounds, there is one caveat. You must follow the voice of the shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. John 10 and 4. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And then in verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Huh. If he's bringing. If If they're following, then we're going somewhere. We better be going somewhere, brother and sister, or we're going nowhere. them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd and John 10 27 and 28 my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand oh listen because why my sheep are not hearers only they hear and follow they follow because they want to go where I'm taking them and they trust that their dwelling place is with me and where I go they follow why because they want to stay in that holy habitation I want to stay I want to stay in the enclosure that the Lord has his eyes on I don't want to step out of it brother and sister today we have a We have a moment in time to make sure that we've got both feet planted inside the enclosure. I want to be holy. I want to be holy. Come on, that ought to, you ought to lift your hands to the Lord and say, I want to be holy. I want to be holy. I want to be holy in all manner of conversation, in my attitude, in my appearance, in my lifestyle. I want to be holy. Why? Because you said to be holy for you are holy and I can't be holy by myself. And listen, they will go. They will go where I lead them because they want to be there. And because they trust me, they will do what I tell them. When we trust the Lord, we will do what he tells us. Because they want to stay. Because we want to stay in the holy habitation. And they know I love them and have predetermined parameters, but don't want to control them. He has predetermined parameters, but he doesn't want to control us. He wants us to make that decision. I choose you, Lord. I choose to stay. Listen, if he tells us to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, I don't want any other name. I don't want any other name. You can keep the titles. I want the name that brings remission. If I've got to be buried once, I want to be buried in the name of Jesus. Why? Because the scripture tells us that's what brings remission. It's the name of Jesus. It's the power in the name of Jesus. It's the same power that Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Listen, I got the power of Jesus. I'm in a holy habitation with God Almighty and what he did for me, he will do it for you. Such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of the Father. In the name of the Son. In the name of the Holy Ghost. Well, only if that revelation brings you to the name of Jesus because it's in the name of Jesus. uh, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that the name of Jesus is the name that is above every name. Let's stand. I, I I know the Lord is here. And I know he's among us today. And I know that he wants to do a great thing today. Now, if we, will, if we will approach our worship and our praise, not to just check some box and say we did it today, but to say, Lord, I love you because you first loved me. And I'm, I'm bringing this love back. And I'm going to show my love through my praise and adoration. But I'm also going to show my love with, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Is there something you want me to do? Because I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve you, Lord. I'm living my life as holiness unto the Lord, a service unto the Lord. Today we have an opportunity to serve the Lord in every aspect of our life, through our worship and our praise, but also through our service to God Almighty. Amen. Let's take a few moments here. Greet your brother and your sister and let's come back into the service ready to lift up the name of the Lord. Well, who's ready to magnify the Lord? Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We praise you. Come on, high point, lift your voice for a moment. Let's invite the presence of the Lord to minister in this place. Let's surrender our life and tell the Lord we're here for you, God. We want this relationship to grow, mighty King. We worship you. We magnify you, God. We put everything outside of our mind. And we're here today, God, to draw closer to you. And your word declares, his word declares to us that if we make If we make the initial movement to get to him, he will move to us. If we draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to us. If I step out and come to Him He steps out and comes to me No matter how you look at it Today is the day to step out And to watch the Lord step in If you are willing to step out today He'll be willing to step in today If you need a touch from the Lord today Step out in your praise And He'll step into your situation If you need Him to do the miraculous Step out in your praise And He'll step into your situation And the glory of God Will begin to descend in this house Upon the praises of his people If there are people Who are willing to build him A dwelling place With their praise and worship He will descend upon those praises And that's what we're going to do here today We're going to lift up his name And if you'd like to give Your offering to the Lord We're going to give you an opportunity Present your offering but listen let's do more than just present a monetary gift let's do our best to represent uh, how much we love him with our praise and worship amen let's worship him there is
1: no shadow that has ever overcome your life and there is no that could ever stand against your might. Is possible. Hey. hey, if you need a breakthrough today, God, if the breakthrough is here right now, oh, but you're going to have to step out. Hey, somebody make up your mind with me today. Say, all of my fear I will turn into. Hey, hey. shake off despair as I see now your name of victory. So and break every chain. Come on, say that again, say! All of my fear I will turn into Yes, race. I will! shake off despair yes. as I live about your name Oh, victory, victory dance! I will dance out in yeah. yeah. I will this so up Have And break every chain Say! All of my fear I will, I will turn, turn into grace shake off despair, oh, as, I despair as I sing out your name A victory dance I will dance out in faith. I will crush disappointment and break every...
0: just be the God of the breakthrough He can be the God of your breakthrough and you can make that personal today. Lord if breakthrough is in this place right here right now because of your presence and I know that I myself need a breakthrough that nothing is impossible nothing is impossible come on any believers in the building today that nothing is impossible nothing is impossible my situation's not impossible. Come on, it might appear impossible to you, but it's not impossible to the Lord. Woo. I'm waiting for somebody to come to the end of themselves. Come, come to the end of your resources. Come to the end of your ability to figure it out. Why don't you come to the to the end of your ability to? To make a decision and come to the end and say, "Lord, I'm unable, I'm incapable, I can't do it," but I know that you can. And so here's my life. I'm positioned in my life for you, for you, for you to bring the breakthrough needed for you to bring the miracle needed for you to bring the provision needed it's not going to come from my own ability or power or my own hand it's going to come from your presence God it's going to come from your glory it's going to come from your hand and not my hand oh come on stop looking at your hand and start looking at his hand come on somebody Come on somebody Woo Come on Listen I know you're hurting I know you're discouraged But I've already already said it Because the Lord has already impressed it If you'll step out He'll step in And the question I must ask you today is What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You don't need an invitation. You need boldness. Boldness will carry you to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Boldness will take you to the place that nothing else will. Come on, there needs to be boldness in your life. There needs to be boldness in your stride. You have to have boldness to come to the throne. I'm coming with expectation. And because I have expectation, I'm coming boldly. And I know because I believe that when I step out and step up, He's going to step in. Because listen, that's what He said and that's all I need. I don't need to calculate because listen I I will always come up short with how good and faithful he is and it doesn't change that he's faithful and it doesn't change that he's constant and it doesn't change that if he did it before he'll do it again and if he is the Lord and he does not change then for my situation to change I've got to go to the one that never changes the doctor said it's not going to change come on your peers tell you it's not going to change brother let me tell you get used to where you are because not, it's not going to change you're going to be looking at the same four walls you've been looking at all your life listen, no, I'm tearing some walls down today and I'm pushing through I'm pushing through what the adversary caused me to build and create I'm tearing it down today and with my worship and my praise and me stepping out there's a breakthrough on the other side of this wall and here's the, here's, here's the situation i got to get through the wall Brother and sister, you got to get through the wall to get that breakthrough. Boldly. I'm coming boldly. Listen, I believe today, today is the day for the miraculous for somebody that needs a touch in their body. That needs a touch in your spirit, needs a you need a touch in your mind. You need a touch in your family. You have needs in your own personal life or you have needs that you know about in your family. And if you want to prayed for for those needs and you want to stand in for a need I want you to come to the front here and we're going to lay hands on you and the Bible says that if we lay hands on the sick they shall recover and we're going to pray the prayer of faith and we're going to believe for God to make a way in this impossible situation Now before you, listen, before you hang your head down as you're already defeated, lift up your head and set your eyes on where your help is going to come from. The Lord is gracious in mercy and His riches are too numerous to comprehend. And today is the day that the Lord is going to make a way because I'm looking up. Church, let's pray and let's look up. Let's look up for our brother and sister. And let's believe for the miraculous.
1: You are my strength. Strength like no. Take the light, no. voice today and sing this chorus with us. You know it It says, how great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, all will see how great, how great is our God, that's it, that's it, lift up your voice. Hey how great, how great is that? to his throne and say you're worthy of it all if you can just shut out everything around you and just take this to him you're worthy Just one more time Singing all over this house You're worthy of it all
0: Hallelujah. To Jesus hallelujah He's worthy of it all Listen, he's either worthy of it all or he's not worthy at all But he's worthy He's worthy of all He's worthy of every breath that I can use to sing a melody of his goodness and mercy to sing a praise, every breath that it would take to magnify His holy name and every step it cost me through the pain and the trouble. Listen, He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of everything I suffer. He's worthy. Even when I'm facing the... The most challenging thing of my life. And I can't find a breath to praise Him. Listen. He's still worthy. I still owe Him all. I still owe Him praise. I still owe Him my life. Listen. He laid His life down for me. Listen. Listen. Because he he values me as his friend. And he laid his life down for you because he values you as a friend. He sacrificed himself, he gave his life he stood in my place as my substitute sacrifice so I could be free and so I could be healed and not just me but you under the sound of my voice he took the stripes for your healing he took He took the the crown of thorns and the nails in his hands and the nail in his feet. He took it all for you. And the scripture says it was the joy that was set before him is what caused him to endure the cross. Uh, It caused him to endure to the end. Why? The joy that was set before him was I'm bringing freedom. Through my death, others will live. Through my sacrifice, others will live. Through what I'm doing, through what I'm doing right now in this painful situation is paving a road to purify a people for myself who will love me for who I am and not for just what I have done. When we sing songs like, you're worthy of it all, we ought to, be, we ought to back that with, with our life experiences and our encounter with the Lord. Where we have seen him faithful. I don't believe there's not one person in this place that has not had an opportunity to meet the faithfulness of God. I believe every single one of us, at one point or another in our life, have become face to face with the faithfulness of God. And he's worthy of it all. All the praise. Just close your eyes right now. My wife was mentioning about kind of trying to separate yourself from, from those around you and sing to the one. Sing to the one who is worthy. Now just for a moment. Without the thought of tomorrow, without the thought of later on today and what meal you might find yourself eating today, for this moment that God has given us, this moment in time, if you'll just take your focus, your thought, and and fix them on him and consider what he has done for you and what he is doing now through you. Consider all that he paid and ask yourself this question, have I shown him how worthy He is to me. Drown out your surroundings and look for Him. Look for Him. Look for His presence in your life. And consider what the Lord wants to show you, wants to speak to you, wants to make plain to you today. In his presence. Maybe the Lord wants to reassure you that you are right here in a place in the hollow of his hand and nobody can snatch you out. Nobody can remove you. You're in a safe place. You're in a protected place. And I've got you. Recognize in your own life right now that he has you. He has you. You're not beyond him. You're not beyond his reach. now why don't you visualize what your life would look like if he had not shown up where do you think you would be right now Now, I know where I'd be do you know where you would be if the Lord didn't show up for you if he didn't come to your rescue if he didn't keep you from driving down a certain road or going a certain direction where would you be had he not rescued you my gratitude my gratitude my gratitude is lifted up today because of what I know the Lord has done for me and what he is worthy of because There is nobody like him. Nobody like him. Nobody like the Lord. The songwriter said, I searched all over. Couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low. Still couldn't find nobody. Nobody greater. Nobody greater than you, Lord. Nobody greater than Jesus. Listen, y'all may be seated. Let's just take a moment here and focus on the Lord. He deserves our reverence. He deserves it. He deserves it. Our reverence. In our study today, we we were talking about the holiness unto the Lord. And how the Lord calls. He calls all of us into a relationship. Into a fellowship. With him. Where he. Where he loves us. And protects us. And provides for us. And we love him. It's a a reciprocal relationship. I love him because. Because. He first loved me, and I know that God is trying to lead his people into into a place of intimacy. And if God can lead us into that place of intimacy, we will be positioned for what the scriptures reveal to us as the power and the demonstration of his spirit. When we see Moses' life, we see what happens when a person is consecrated to the Lord and we see what the Lord can do through a person who has been willing to face even the greatest enemy in the land and still declare, let my people go. Moses was such a powerful man, but listen, we can, we can see powerful men throughout the entire Bible, but not one of these powerful men were powerful by themselves. It, it was the Spirit of God at work through these men that made them powerful. In Moses' inability, and in his, even in his inadequacies, he said, I, I don't know how I can be the one to go and to deliver your people, and the Lord reassured him that He will go with him, that He will be with him, and then that is the constant message that we see th- throughout the Old Testament: is fear not, don't be dismayed, don't let the armies around you that are forming all around you don't let them don't let them cause you to cower in fear. I will be with you, and I will be. Ready to fight. You don't have to fight. It's not your strength and your power. When you show up on the battlefield, it's not you, it's Him. None of us are fighting the battles that we're fighting by ourselves. We're fighting with the Lord. We just show up and agree with Him that there is no weapon that will form that will ever prosper. That what I see foreman before me I know is empty and hollow and it will, not, it will not rise up to hurt and it will not bring defeat. I am under the protection of the Lord and if he said it will not prosper, it won't prosper. If he said that no man can pluck you out of my hand, listen, no man can pluck you out of his hand. There is a place of security found in a relationship with God. And I don't know why, I don't know why there's not more people running to Him. If He's offering stability, if He's offering faithfulness, if He's he's offering love, if He's offering eternal life, why don't we want to stay within the enclosure that He defined for His people? why sometimes it's hard for us to make the right decision because we don't always know what's the best decision for our life we don't know what the best decision is for our family and so we kind of we kind of make decisions based on what we think is best right but the Lord knows what's best he doesn't have to process it through a, a, a series of of, of, of attempts a series of failures he just all he has to do is look a certain way and if we'll look that way he'll take us he'll take us to the place we need to go and the place we need to be and this all comes through our relationship with the lord relationship i know that we i know that we have relationship we have a relationship with the lord Now, I'll ask a rhetorical question. How many of you believe you got the better part of the deal in this relationship? Because you recognize you don't really have much to offer. And where he found you, man, I don't have anything, you know. But I think sometimes our praise, our response to his presence declares to him, you got the best part of the deal, Lord. When you got me. Listen, I don't, want ever, I don't want to ever make the Lord feel like he got the best part of the deal. And I know that I can't measure up. But listen, he expects us to go through the process of measuring up until we come to the fullness until we come to that measure until that work is completed and and I believe the Lord is is doing something in this church that is that is leading us closer and closer and closer uh, to where he wants us to be to where he wants us to live to where he wants to flow through our life if we can align our lives to him then his love can flow through our life if we can if we can put ourselves and and put Position our lives to be set apart for his purpose. His purpose can flow through our lives. And I believe the Lord wants to use you. Listen, I believe the Lord wants to use every one of you. I believe the Lord wants to do great things through your life. And not just in your life, but through your life. And, and so when we, when we come to the Lord, that's what we tell him. Lord, I don't want you to just do a good work in me. I want you to do a good work through me. I want you to work through me, God. Help me to get out of the way. Help me to get out of the way. Help me to serve you with gladness. Help me to follow you every step of the way because I know you're leading us. You're leading us to a destination. Yeah, listen. You might not be able to see it all the time. Oh, but there's moments in prayer and there's moments in worship that you can see the place that He's trying to take you to. And oh, how wonderful it is to see that place uh, oh, in the Spirit, uh, through eyes of faith that this, not, this is not in vain. None of what we are doing is in vain if we are in it all. If we were all in. If I'm all in, it's not in vain. If I'm all in. If I'm all in. John chapter 15. We spend a little bit of time in this. I am. Verse 1. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth, or he prunes it, right? He, he prunes. So the fruitless, the fruitless branches are cut out, but the fruitful branches are still pruned. They still have to go through a pruning process. Why? So they can produce more fruit. Now, ye are clean, through the word which I have spoken unto you, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. Now, I think there are people who, who, uh, who feel like that they are abiding in the Lord, but the question is, is he abiding in you? We have a tendency to just be one-sided in our relationship with the Lord, for people to just be one-sided, to be focused on what they want and what they can get out of it. And listen, I I can find myself in that same place where where I just show up and I say, Lord, my life is a wreck. I need you to help me get out of this, salvage this situation. I need your help. And you know, sometimes it's only, he only hears our voice when there is an issue in our life. I've I've seen people only serve the Lord as long as, as long as uh everything was a wreck in their life and they were and, and they were desperate. But the minute things begin to take a different turn and they begin to look like they were working out, you know, they'd start missing church. And then before you know it, they're not even living for God. They're not even, they're nowhere to be found and and sometimes if we're not careful listen if we're not careful we can find ourselves in in that cycle where oh i only come to him when something terrible happens i've got you know i got a i got a bad report or I, I got bad news or i got this trouble going on in my life and and here i am again lord i need your help oh but listen he desires fellowship every 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 hour every day it's not just in the in the bad times but there are good times that he still desires to hear a voice that he, he still desires uh, to meet with you in that special place don't neglect the special place because everything seems good in your life you ought to be more more ready to get into that special place into that prayer closet and say Lord thank you thank you Lord that my life is not a wreck I'm not just going to praise you you or I'm not going to talk to you when my life is under some kind of stress or pressure I'm going to praise you every day when I wake up in the morning I got a heart to praise I got a heart of worship it does not matter what it looks like I'm going to bless the Lord at all times and this praise shall continually be in my mouth in the good times I'm going to seek you in the bad times I'm going to seek you no matter what it looks like I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Shake yourself loose. Shake yourself loose. Shake yourself loose from the cycles of despair. Shake yourself loose. from the mentality that says, as long as everything is okay, I don't need to see God. I am the vine, you are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me, You can do nothing. Listen, without him, there is not one thing that we can accomplish. We can't be good. We can't be clean. We can't be holy. We can't be right. There is not one thing that we can do without him. We have to stay connected to Him. We have to stay connected to Him. If we're not connected to Him, we'll we'll lose our purpose. We'll lose the reason that we have breath. We'll forget why we're here on this earth. Oh, but listen, if we'll stay connected to Him, we'll recognize I've been called for such a time as this. And now is the time to step into that place that God has already prepared for me, for you. The giftings that he's that he's given you that you don't even recognize yet. Listen, if you'll stay connected to him, you'll start to see the fruit uh, begin to bloom on the. You'll start to see the flower bloom on the branch, uh, and then you'll see the and then you'll see the fruit. Listen, the Lord is doing a work in you. You've got to believe it and know that what He started, He will bring it to pass. He will accomplish it. Recognize that you can't do anything without him and recognize my life must have fruit. I must have fruit. I must be fruit. Listen, his people must be fruitful people. And it it doesn't take a whole lot. It just takes a willingness to say, Lord, I want to be fruitful. I want you. I I want to be what you've called me to be. As a son, you want to look at, at your father and say, I want you to be proud of me. I want you to be proud of me. I want to please you. I want to please you, God. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth, cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned if if I'm not fruitful the only thing I'm fit for is the fire I don't want to be firewood I want to start fires I want to be I want to be the fire starter that God has called me to be I want my life to bear fruit I want to be holy. I want to be right. I want to be fruitful. And he said if you abide in me and my words abide in you listen that's that relationship aspect of it. If if I abide in him and his words are here. His words are working in my in my life. This is what he said. He said ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. If he's ever spoken a promise before, this is one of them. If my words have a place in your life and you are connected to me, you can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. He doesn't, listen, he doesn't want just a little bit of fruit. Fruit. Much fruit, much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. We can be his disciples, but we have to be fruitful. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So the question I ask today to somebody in this place, is your joy full or is there lack in your joy? You got to go back to his commandments because if you keep, he said, if you keep my commandments and you abide in my love, uh, listen, my joy will will remain in you. If you need joy, you got to go back to his word. do I have his word? Is there a place in my heart for his word? Am I, am I being obedient? Am I following with everything that I know to do? And, and then am I, am I giving him access to my life to lead me? Am I loving? Am I loving one another? I believe. I believe his joy and his love working through our life. It it ought to be contagious. It ought to be contagious. It ought to just flow through a, a place. It ought to, f- when, when we step, listen, when you step on your job, when, you, when we step into this building, there ought to be such this contagious flow of joy and love uh, that it affects everyone who came in with a bad attitude. Uh, if you come in with a bad attitude, we, we, we need to stir up the joy and the love of God in our life. Uh, we gotta make sure that what's happening in here uh, uh, is not responsible for the atmosphere where god is unable to do anything love one another as i have loved you greater love hath no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends jesus could say this and express his love and they would soon they would soon see him, see him on the cross stretched out over that cross and recognized that when Jesus said a man who would lay down his life for his friends they would look at him and say he is a good friend and uh, those that scattered because they were fearful those that left, that fled and left him uh, would be ashamed and, I haven't been a good friend to him but he's been a good friend to me And he 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 leads to this to this point, where where we see like this whole thing unravel. If if I if I recognize that I haven't been a, a good friend to the Lord like He has been to me, he he gives us he gives us this uh, uh, this this statement here: "Ye are my friends if you do so what whatsoever I command you." you know we have an opportunity to be his friend but we have to we have to we have to show him by our obedience to his commandments and if he said to love one another we have to obey him if i can love my brother and my sister and if i can love somebody who cannot love me in return listen I, i'll be his friend i, I want to be his friend i want to be his friend Henceforth, I call you not servants for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father. I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. I have chosen you. I have ordained you not to just be holy, but to be useful, to be fruitful, and to make to make the kingdom multiply through the power of God's Spirit working through His people, working through the church. I want to be a useful instrument in His hand. Let's stand. Maybe Maybe you're here today and you haven't been the friend that you've needed to be. Or you haven't been fruitful. You haven't given the Lord everything that you have, everything that you are. Maybe you haven't been faithful to him. Maybe your guilty conscience has revealed to you the gods of this world that you have set before him I believe these are the things that the Lord shows us when he visits us in moments like this where he begins to show us what we have given ourselves to one of the most intimidating things in a person's life is to acknowledge that in front of a room full of people that I have placed something else before the Lord that my guilty conscience can be seen as I walk to the front to confess what's been missing in my life and what I have failed to do. Every, every footstep that you take when you deal, when you're facing that shame and that guilt and you make your way to the altar to find your strength and your hope is worth it. Every step that you take and every eye that sees you taking that step shouldn't keep you from what the Lord has for your life. If He has His arms open wide, who cares whose eyes are on you? who cares what you've done, who cares what you've missed, how, how big you've messed up. It does not matter. What matters is that there is a loving God who is ready to meet with you. And if you are willing to step out, he will step in. And when he steps in, he will do what nobody else can do. And it won't be long before you forget about the eyes who've seen you make that walk of shame. Don't let shame stand in the way of what God wants to do in your life. We're all guilty. We've all done things we're not proud of. And the Lord can meet you here and help you recover and restore your life. If this is you, I want you to come. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to look down on you. I'm going to believe the Lord has something for you today. He's got something for you today. If you want it, It's here. He's here.
1: Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. to you
0: that we can be defeated is if we choose not to get up and we choose not to come and we choose to stay to stay trapped in our abilities the victory is already available but you won't find it within yourself I'm thankful for every victory that God has seen me through every battle every trial that I have faced and been strengthened by by the testimony on the other side of the struggle when you when you're when you're struggling through what you're struggling through right now, just know this, that there's coming a day that you'll taste victory and your testimony will be powerful to whoever hears what the Lord has brought you through. We all have a testimony. Many testimonies that that ultimately become one big testimony. Everything that we endure is building a testimony in us of how good and faithful the Lord is. And through every victory that we face, there's a memorial that is built. I want to look back and see the memorials in my life and not see the places that I was defeated. I want to see the memorials of victory where God came through once again and I held on to Him. Brother and sister, we have to hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on to the Lord and He's going to see you through. Just a quick announcement here about our business meeting. We are planning our business meeting next Sunday, the 18th. And uh, if you're a member of the church, um, we uh, would like for you to be here and uh, linger after church next week. And we will have a hopefully short business meeting. I love and appreciate you all. I love this church. Thank you for for staying with us, pushing with us. God is going to do a mighty work. And we're going to see it. love and appreciate you. Let's keep fighting the good fight of faith. And uh, Tuesday night prayer, 7 o'clock, and our Wednesday night Bible study. God bless you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.